You're listening to Fish Food, where we present bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 25 minutes or less. Keep listening for interviews, guidance, and resources for freelancers and small businesses. And if you enjoy, rate and subscribe to let others know about the gem you found. Now, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Fish Food, a podcast from Little Fish Accounting. I am your host, Keila Hill Trawick, and today I am here with my friend from the internet, Bessie. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I am good. So I feel like we've been following each other for years now, and it's funny because we've been in the same places at different times but never actually mm-hmm. got to meet up. So this is our first time actually meeting, which is really cool. In 10 years almost. That's wild. When Twitter first launched. Yes, Twitter first and then Instagram. And now uh-huh. here with whole new lives that we did not have when we first started talking about it. <laughs> show, show enough, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to get into a few things today, but why don't you start by telling the people a bit about you, what you do full-time and what you do as a passion project. All right. Well, what I do full-time um, to keep it really brief, I work for the Department of Defense. Um, so what what I basically do is I view and analyze data. I help to solve problems creatively. Let's put it like that. <laughs> um, so that's what I do in the morning from about seven to about three. So the schedule is not bad at all. And that helps me because it gives me time to really, really work on my passion projects, which I really call my real work, like why I think I'm here to do right now. Yeah. So I know that you do a couple of different passion projects. Why don't you tell me about the ones that that you're most interested in right now or that you're spending the most of your energy or time on? Well, right now it's about three main things, um, but they all have to do with the arts, creativity, and being rebellious about what you want to create and put out into this world. So the first one is the creative overlap. And with the creative overlap, I am providing tools, resources, and showing people that, number one, we are all multi-passionate, but we've just been trained and kind of coached to just stick to one thing. But with us being multi-passionate or uh, multi-potentialites or scanners, we can use all these different interests and passions and gifts to solve problems. We can use them all in the workplace. You can find a job. You can find a business that you want to create with all of your skills. So that's with the creative overlap. Um, And I had a nonprofit about five years ago called the She's Me program. So what I've done with that is I've kind of repurposed it and rebranded it to what is now called Create Louder. So with Create Louder, we are teaching young women to not be afraid to tell their stories and to use the arts as a tool to tell stories for the world. These two passions of mine is because I love the arts. I love photography. I love film. I love culture. I love working with people who are just rebellious in how they choose to show up in the world with their work and they do their work their way. So I imagine that when you started working, the Department of Defense was not on the list of jobs that you were trying to do. (laughs) Absolutely not. It wasn't. Um, And then how that happened is because with my husband and the work he does, we travel so much. So the the smartest thing for for me to do, that's crazy for me to say it, because we travel so much and because my passion projects 
don't provide me right now with the lifestyle that I want. And I'm not, I'm not even going front. I want a certain type of lifestyle. So having a day job and moving so much and working for the federal government, it really allows me the flexibility to always have an option to return back to work so that I can use the day job money to kind of invest in my passions and my projects until these passions and projects can kind of provide me with the income that the day job provides me with. So did you freelance full-time at some point and kind of go in and out of full-time work? How has your journey been in that regard? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have been in and out um, freelancing back to work. Some of that is because I had children. And when I had kids, I said, I ain't going back to work because I got to watch these children. I'm not going to have nobody stressing me out. When I, because I got to rush off work because somebody, the school's calling me because a child is sick. I just did not want that type of stress, period. So for like three to four years, all I focused on was my real work, my photography, consulting with other creatives. That's what I focused on. But then, you know, my son, he was now about to turn three. I said, okay, we're in Europe. Let me go back into the federal system (laughs) because I do want to travel, but I don't want us to not be comfortable. So with the schedule that I have getting off at three o'clock, it really gives me time to spend time with my family and, you know, make more time for my my other projects. I know that you obviously made a comfort decision on deciding to move from freelancing to full time. But how was that? I I've talked to a few people and, you know, everybody has their own story, but I've definitely had people who are like, nah, it was easy. I was trying to make that money. I was out. And other people who are like, doc, this is what I wanted to do. And now I'm not doing it. Not in the way that I was. You know, for me, it has been a bit of a challenge, but it's still a learning experience because whatever I'm learning in terms of how to deal with people um, is helping me, you know, with my side projects, but the transition has not been easy at all because you know how Michelle Obama said that the people at that table they're not really that bright <laughs> but I will say what I will say it's it's really taught me to learn by watching other people um and it's helped me kind of become more confident in what I have to offer because I realized that sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we know. Going back to work after having my son, I realized I am really, really much smarter and wiser and all my ideas are so valid. But so that transition back to working, it's a learning experience because again, we don't give ourselves enough credit for how smart and how bright and how, how great our ideas are compared to other people that are there. It's interesting that you say that too, because one, on one hand, you think, well, this probably is great for my imposter syndrome. Like when I see what y'all doing and what I know I could do, I know I am great at these things. And then on the other hand, I feel like we don't always carry that into the work that we do. So it's like, we know that. And then when we price ourselves, when we, you know, offer services to things, I mean, even in my work, I find myself sometimes being like, oh, well, I should add this, 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 and this. And it's like, you already not charging enough for the thing that you're doing. And you're making yourself believe that you need to add more to that to make it valuable. From your perspective in, well, in your freelancing and you doing it on the side, like how has that affected how you show up in that work? 
you know, like when you have a rubber band and there's so much tension, you keep pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. That rubber band is me at work, just being Uh. pulled and extended so that once I come back and I reel back and I'm back doing my freelance work, it's become easier for me to kind of charge what I'm worth. And it's made me more confident outside of that because I've just been stretched so much by people in the workplace. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like it may be like, after all I've done at work, if I'm going to do this, you're going to pay me because this is not yeah. just fun. Absolutely. And then in the federal system that you're in such a tight box yes. that once you are out of it, it's like, whoo, all right, now let's get to it. I have more freedom and flexibility to do what I really can do. Yeah. I'm so most people or a lot of people know that when I left my full-time to go to do Little Fish full-time, I was working for the Patent and Trademark Office. So I had been working for the federal government for eight, seven, eight years. And I know that one of the hardest things for me was leaving the stability. Like, I mean, they have their shutdowns or whatever, but you know, you're going to get paid every two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be on time. It's going to, your direct deposit is going to hit. Like you don't have to worry about anything. And so I took a strategic risk in leaving during tax season because I was like, I'm at least going to get paid for the next couple of months. and We'll see what happens after that. But I relate to this idea that one of the reasons that I wanted to get out so bad was this feeling that I was very siloed. You are an accountant that does this. And if you want to do something else, you need to get a different job that does that. And so being able to show up in your full as your full self and like do all of the work that you're interested in on your side projects or when you're freelancing full time I don't think I expected that as the benefit that it gave me. You know, when you think about it, you're just like, "Oh, I'm free to kind of do what I want to." I don't think I thought about like getting out of that box. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So, now you're working full time, you're freelancing. How is that schedule-wise for you? How does that feel <laughs> time-wise? At first, when I first got into it, it was very tight. I had to really find my rhythm. Now, present day, and another thing I also to consider is like the time difference. A lot of people that I do work with are in the States. So once I get home around three o'clock, 3.30, and I really start working on my, my projects, which is around six, people are on their lunch breaks. So I'm scheduling phone calls between six and nine. So I'm usually up until about midnight. So that's been a bit of a challenge because I'm up till midnight, which is like 6 p.m. East Coast. <laughs> and now you got to get up. <laughs> yes. And then when I'm getting up, I'm pe- people getting, people are at home sending me emails. I'm like, well, let's fly walking alone. I got to get ready. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so time-wise, it's been a, it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but that's just, that's temporary till I get back to the um, stage. And sometimes whenever I do have some downtime, I'm able to catch up on some writing in between like on, you know, lunch breaks and whatnot. That helps. So I, I make sure I man, maximize my time throughout the days whenever I get some downtime. So, and another thing that I also like to tell people, I have a husband that helps me a lot with the children. So although I may work full time, my spouse, my husband helps a lot to help me to make sure that I'm still getting involved in the work that I really want to do. That's really important. Um, I often call my husband a privilege um, for a lot of reasons, but 
I don't think that that gets brought up enough, not just because obviously there's another person in the house, but like, you know, I've made mention of the fact that part of the reason I was able to quit my job is because my husband has health insurance. Like this is a whole different decision if he's not there. And so, you know, when we talk to people about like, oh, you love doing that. You should just quit and be an entrepreneur. To your point, whether it's insurance, whether it's support, whether it's help with childcare, like all of those things fall in line with how entrepreneurship looks for you. And I think that the assumption every time we say that is made like, but you could just do it all, which is not real. Because to be honest, if I was a single mother with two children, my story would look a little bit different. I probably would not, I don't know, knowing who I am, I probably would just be like, (laughs) I'm just going to work. And whenever these kids get older, then I can focus on my other shit. But because the entire time that I have been pursuing my passions, I've been married. And he helps tremendously with the children. He plays a big role in me being able to do a lot and us being able to travel. Like if I have to travel to do something for a project, he's right there watching the kids. It's a big help. That gets underestimated a lot. But yeah, this this doesn't look the same without partnership. And I think to be fair, like, you know, the conversation that gets had is like, that doesn't mean obviously that you can't do it, but you got to re- be realistic about your bandwidth and limitations. And it's only so much that all of us can do by ourselves. So when you think about like, especially your work and your side projects and raising two kids at the same time, what do you want them to see in that? I, I don't have kids of my own. I have a stepdaughter. But I think about as she grows up, looking at me building little fish, the things that I want her to take from that. What do you want your kids to take from what you're doing and how you work? What is interesting about that is my daughter, she's 10. She sees me as a photographer. That's what she tells her friends. Like she doesn't see me as somebody who goes to work and works in an office. She says, but mama, you're an artist, you're a photographer. So what she sees is me as the person that I'm trying to be fully. So I think what I want my children to take from it is that the place you go to the office or the nine to five that you're going to, the, the, the work you do to make money or whatever it is, that's not, you know, really who you have to be if you don't want that to be you or whatever. Yes. It's, it's, it lies in your passions. She's telling me what my identity, what she sees. And she tells her friends, oh, my mom's an artist. She's, she's a photographer. They don't, they don't even know that I'm going to <laughs> work. They just know I'm, now she's just this cool mom that's an artist. Um, so I would say that the lesson is that your purpose isn't necessarily just going to work. You, you wouldn't placed here to just go to work, pay bills and die. Like there's something outside of that, of the work, the real, what you really consider the work that you can have, that you can identify with, that you can use to define you. That is so cool. It's so funny what they see and notice as a compliment or as the opposite of what you think you're portraying. You like, I get up, I go to work every day, I do these things, and they like, nah, 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 I don't see that. So about this artist thing, that's what's up. And it's kind of opposite from what I saw growing up with my mother. I was like, oh, she always working, she always dressed out. Somehow she on her feet all day working at the hospital because she was a nurse. So it's so different. Yeah. 
So having chosen to work full time and work on your passion projects as your real work, what is your favorite thing about this decision? Like, it's a hard choice, regardless of which one that you pick, but what is the thing that you like most? And I'm kind of selfish because I'm not going to lie. Like, I like to be comfortable. Um, So what I like the most is the monetary benefit of being able to have additional money that I can put away, you know, Um, not having to be stressed out or grind and chasing somebody for invoices because I need that money to pay a bill, you know? Right. Um, So it's the money from the day job that it's just, it's the money. And I'm getting a chance to work with um, local nationals. It's also a huge plus because it's really teaching me how to really communicate effectively. And that's a skill set that I need to develop with my work as an artist or, you know, a creative professional really communicating. So it's like a a training ground for me to communicate, to learn how to communicate better with people who are not native English speakers. Dang, that's something I hadn't even thought about of like, oh yeah, not only do I need to learn to communicate, this is a different way for me to get that skill to carry back to be that much better when I'm just speaking to English. Right. Well, we are so glad to have had you here today. I appreciate everything that you've shared. Um, Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? The people can find me on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, uh, my brand page for me is Bestie Akuba. That's my first name, my middle name, B-E-S-S-I-E-A-K-U-B-A. And Creative Overlap, also on Instagram. Creative Overlap. The word creative and overlap. Yay. And we'll make sure that that's in the show notes so everybody can find you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I will see you on the internet in a bit. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, there's good news. We've got additional free resources for you to get clear on your small business finances. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter by heading to littlefishaccounting.com slash subscribe and check us out on Instagram at littlefishaccounting.